Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Hope you're doing okay, despite the one nothing deficit the White Sox are facing in the second inning with Michael Kopech giving up a solo shot to Shohei, having a 31-pitch inning. And, uh, you know, I mean, overall, I guess things could be worse. Um, but here we sit. Um, after yesterday, uh, one run almost uh, pretty much seems like an uh, insurmountable odds. So <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, I've been better. Uh, a little under the weather here the last few days. I have a, uh, a stomach virus, or at least uh, you know my doctor seems to think so without doing a whole lot of uh, testing. But, uh, yeah, you know, what can I say, man, watching this White Sox team, uh, you know, aside from Luis Robert here as of late, uh, gives me the squirts, man. You know, I don't know how else to put it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fighting through some things, but uh, hoping to uh, see some decent White Sox baseball tonight. So, you know, and I'm here hanging out with you, man. So things can't be all that bad, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, things can always be worse. Hey, um, how you doing? I'm doing all right, you know. Uh, you know, besides the fact that I, can, I can't even see my next-door neighbor's house because of the uh, oh, air right. quality, um, I feel like I smoked 14 packs of cigarettes today uh, just from walking around outside. Um, my eyes are always itchy. Um I, I, I feel like I smell campfire no matter where I go. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, get uh, feel like I'm burned by the White Sox every time I turn them on on the TV. Um, yeah. Other than that, everything's great, you know. Um, my parents just came up for my uh, brother's uh, kids' first birthday. They just had a party last weekend, so they came up from uh, North Carolina. They were hanging out. They just uh, swung by to uh, say goodbye, and so uh, they're on their way back to the hotel, and then they're out of here first thing in the morning. So, yeah, yeah, sounds like fun. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least you got to hang out. Happy first to the uh, was it niece or nephew? Nephew Wes. There you go. Wesley, happy first birthday, Wes. Nice. Yeah, you know, you bring up the uh, the smoke and and you know the air quality and whatnot. Uh, talking to the wife a little bit earlier, she uh, she left for Indianapolis yesterday, and uh, you know things were fairly normal when she left, and uh, you know by late last night, I kind of noticed the smell creeping in. The smell of uh, campfire. Mm -hmm. And then this morning I got up and I went to the dock and uh, I was like, wow, you know, it, I mean, it looked like uh, looked like the, the fire could have been somewhere, you know, right in the neighborhood. It, you know, the, it hard to imagine that the amount of smoke and, and smell we were getting was coming all the way from Canada. But, uh, you know, so I talked to her this evening, uh, probably just about an hour, hour and a half ago. She's down there in Indianapolis and now she's seen it creeping in down there. Oh, really? Yeah, another, you know, three hours southeast of here. So, uh, pretty wild stuff, man. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I took the boy out hitting last night. And uh, we went out, like, I, you know, when I was driving home from work, I was like, man, it looks kind of hazy. It's like, you know, like the thought crossed my mind that it could possibly be from the, uh, from like the wildfires. But I was like, it's like I feel like that should have passed. But no, it's the wildfires, you know, and, um, you know, boy was out back taking some swings today. So I took him out to take a few swings out at the field and, uh, you know, we didn't stay out too long cause I didn't want to be out there in that for too long, but, um, yeah, yeah that's not, just nasty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. thanks. Thanks Canada for, uh, you know, basically making our entire atmosphere awful. But I mean, like the cool thing is about those Canadians is you don't have to worry about them. You know, they, they'll apologize. So yeah, America's top hat. They got some class up there, man. Yeah, they apologize for anything and everything. So we, we you know, sorry. Um, <laughs> got the NHL draft coming up, so that's cool. You looking forward to that? Yeah, waiting to uh, hop on that Bedard train. You know, not that I'm not already on it, but uh, let's make it official. Yeah, looking forward to that. Should be cool. Um, you know, I mean, considering that, uh, we don't have much to look forward to with this White Sox team, I don't think, you know, um, when you, when you look at the overall state of things, um, I don't know if you saw the tweet from, uh, Josh Nelson earlier today, but the uh-huh. White Sox are sitting in the tankathon. They're sitting, uh, with the fourth best, well, actually, I guess the second best set of odds at the moment. Um, I think it's like seven and a half percent. Um, the top odds are 16.5%, and three teams get that. And the White Sox are, of course, not one of them because they're playing just well enough that their odds are, you know, second best. And, um, you know, they're 12. Right now they're sitting, I believe, what are they? Uh, they're 34 and 46. Does that sound right? Uh, 30, yeah, 30, yeah, 34 yeah. and 46. Yep. They're 12 games under. Uh, five and a half games back in the win column, um, but uh, you know the the Twins are currently uh, losing. Um, they they lost to the Braves uh, six to t- or they're losing to the Braves or are, have lost to the Braves six to two. Uh, they're leading the American League Central with a forty and forty one record. Half game, you know, one game below five hundred. Leading the division, the White Sox yeah, are five and a half back, and yet I, I feel like, no matter what they do, or what the other teams do, how about that? No matter what the other teams do, the White Sox will outpace them or keep in lockstep with them just enough that they won't gain any ground. Yeah, I can see them finishing anywhere between four and six games behind the division lead this season. Now, you know, there's another part of me that says, uh, you know, I could see them somehow eking the division out at right around 500 and everybody gets to keep their jobs and we uh, start right back where we left off next season and everything is exactly the same and uh, no real progress is made, but uh 
you know, we shall see with the uh, with the deadline quickly approaching here. Uh, you know, we'll we'll start to get some answers on whether or not they're buyers, sellers, or stand pat. Uh, you know, I know the whole world seems to think that they should be sellers. I am not against that whatsoever. But uh, I don't trust that they're going to get a whole lot if they are sellers, unless they're selling off, you know, their top two or three pieces. In which case, uh, you know, you can tuck it in for a really long ride after that. Hey, Rudels, how you doing, bud? Yeah, uh, no, Rudels. I'm I'm with you on that. You know, um, I mean, if the White Sox are, I think, I think it was, uh, if the White Sox were to get to like 85 wins or whatever, they have to play 20 games over 500 for the second half of the season, and. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The only thing that'll have to change for that to happen is everything on the offensive side of the ball. Because, um, I mean, the only person that could say that in the good times that their game right now would translate is Luis Robert. That's literally it. Um, I mean, if you look down that, if, if you look through their batting order and you see what they're sending up to the plate every night... I mean, it is just the. It's just a a list of bad, you know. Um, you know, like Jake Berger had his had his moment. He's got seventeen home runs, which is great. Um, the issue is he's still hitting like two twenty five, you know. So yeah, he's got plenty of slug, not much else. Yeah, and uh, the White Sox are dead last in OBP uh, in all of baseball. Um. <clears throat> And pretty much for everything else, they're right in the middle. You know, batting averages in the middle, uh, strikeouts in the middle, uh, hits in the middle, home runs uh, in the middle. You know, everything's in the middle uh, as far as their offense goes. Um, But their OBP. We've talked about in the past a little bit. uh, You know, that's a departure from last season where hits were up and they just couldn't, uh, you know, string them together in a timely manner to uh, play some runs. Well, uh, I mean, the the common year. denominator here is that they're not walking at all. They're yeah, dead last in walks, just like they were last year. So, therefore, their OBP, even though, like last year, their OBP wasn't, uh, was kind of masked because they had 8 billion singles. So, it looked, right. you know, like they had a high team batting average and they had an okay OBP, not good, but, you know, it was. You know, not completely dreadful. I mean, it was bad, but you know, they just keep yeah. on. And in a middle of the road team OPS, you know, it's uh, it, you know, like I said, the only the only real departure from last season is is the amount of hits, the the sheer number of hits, and like you said, most of that was singles. It was a ridiculous amount of singles last season. So yeah, uh, they haven't been a whole lot of fun to watch. I yeah, I mean, that they will be anytime soon. Yeah, you can get 12 hits in a game, you know, and if 11 of them are singles and your one extra base hit comes in an other inning that you didn't get a single in, you could still score zero runs, you know? Yeah. Which they're pretty good at. Um, You know, last night being uh, one of those cases, you know, you go tied into the bottom of the ninth, 1-1, Dylan Cease 
pitched a really good game. Um, you know, Reed Detmers did as well. So kudos to him. Um, but both of them pitched a great game. So you get to uh, the ninth inning and, you know, Aaron Bummer and Yasmani Grandal can't manage to, uh, you know, Bummer can't manage to get anywhere near the near the catcher's mitt with any of his pitches. And a uh, couple of wild pitches in a row and Mike Trout scores and, they, and they, you know, they walk off the White Sox. Well, let me ask you this, and and I almost want to say that, no, I don't want to ask. Just tell me you didn't feel the same way I did when uh uh well, wow, I'm losing my mind here. Um Raylo comes out to start the ninth inning after pitching the full eighth. And he gives up uh you know, first batter walk. In the ninth inning, leadoff walk to start the ninth and immediately gets yanked. And then who do we see come in? Aaron Bummer with no outs in a tie ball game and a man on. Tell me you didn't feel the same way I did about that situation because I immediately saw disaster written in the cards. Um, I will say that I was not optimistic, <laughs> you know? Um, well, how about this? I, I was optimistic, um, but uh, I, I pretty much knew exactly what was going to, what was going to happen there. You know, uh, I mean, you can't have a six, six, six ERA if your results are good. I mean, it's it's impossible, really, to have a six 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 ERA if your results are anywhere right. close to acceptable. And um, you know, and meanwhile, I meanwhile, Yasmani Grandal has thrown out two base runners on the in a row. steals the second base in a row here in the uh, bottom of the second. Yeah, and you know, like uh, you know, I saw a bunch of people complaining about uh, Yasmani Grandal not stopping those pitches last night uh, from Bummer. And they were awful pitches. Oh, they were terrible, absolutely terrible. And the one that uh, the one that um, ended up, you know, that uh, you know, Yaz was going to throw out. Uh, he's going to throw out Trout at third base, and so he's going to catch the ball and get his pop going. And dude can't you know like he just can't hang man you know it's like the you know there's you know bummer has like some weird peripherals that say that he's really good but then you know you just watch him in the game and it looks like there's zero confidence there and uh you know there's just always there's always something, you know. It's it's like whether it's a dribbler or like a um, a duck snort, a Texas leaguer, whatever you want to call it, you know. Oh, it, shades of hawk here today. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always something, you know, that just is, you know, something that I go, well, that was a good pitch, and he does, you know, like he. I mean, it's there's so much movement on his pitches. 
Um, but you know, like at some point, you know, like I, I just, I don't know how to feel about him. You know, it's like, I know I mean, there that was a time that, yes. he, that he was untouchable. Yeah. He seemed like he was unhittable. I mean, yeah. we got three really good seasons out of him. And then, you know, some injuries and, you know, some time away from the game. And I, it's just like, like you said, some of those peripherals say he should be almost as good as he was. And he just, I don't know. They just find ways to squeak one through or, you know, he throws that dart, that 55 foot dart that does, you know, get away. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it seems to happen. It always happens at, at the exactly the right time. moment. Yeah, exactly yeah. the right moment to give up the extra base that causes, you know, a run to, uh, to be plated. Uh, it's 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 difficult to explain, but at the same time, it feels like you know we've seen this now, not just this season, but last season. You know, the little bit that he was around. Uh. It just feels like every time he comes into the game, it, you you got to hang it up. And I hate saying that about the guy because, like I said, there was that time where he was just unhittable. And I, I wish that guy would come back. I, you know, Aaron Bummer was he's shown everything that you know could be shown that he was a great pitcher. Uh why things happen the way they do is beyond me. Well, I mean, if you if you look at his numbers. You know his uh, his uh, his FIP is only a is is only a three point one nine, and his XERA is a three nine four. You know, meanwhile, his ERA, you know, up almost. Oh no, this was this was last year. My bad. Um, I had the wrong one highlighted. His uh, his XERA is three five six, and his FIP is a two seven seven. Wow. Yeah, and then his ERA, which yesterday, even with the inning he had yesterday, I guess because it wasn't his uh, his run that scored, uh, his ERA actually went down to 658. Uh, he actually gained .08, you know, ticked off of his ERA, which is, which is great, I guess. But, the, you know, compared to last year, his, his BABIP allowed is actually – uh, forty points, forty-one points lower than last year. So he's got a three forty-three BABIP. Um, but the thing that has been a major issue is he's got five and a half walks per nine. So, you know, yeah, I mean, you can't be doing that, you know. <laughs> you just can't. It's like it, you look at, you know, the years that he was really good. You know, like the the years that you know, point nine nine whip in twenty nineteen, one point oh seven in twenty twenty, and even a one point two six in twenty one is is you know decent. You know, it's it's decent out of the bullpen. It's not great, but it's okay. But the last two years, one point five zero and one point five four. Yeah, I mean, you can't put one and a half guys on base every every inning. You know. And especially when you come in with somebody already on base, there's like almost zero chance that that guy's not scoring with a 1.5 whip. You know, there's just no way. So, (laughs) 
Yeah. Now it's tough. Yeah, it's it it is tough. Just like everything else on this White Sox team, it's just a difficult watch. Except for Luis Robert. Luis Robert's fun. Yeah, let's talk about him a little bit. Why don't we do that? Let's let's talk turn about things around fun. and get into positive and yeah, fun side. Yeah, you know, there's there's still, of course, you know, as we've seen in this game uh, already, uh, they're they're swinging at uh, low and away sliders, you know, and you saw it yesterday as well. But uh, you know, he had two hits yesterday, one a nice home run, um, and I think what he had like. Uh, Four home runs in his last, or no, what was it like three home runs in his last four at bats after his first at bat yesterday? So I mean, the right. guy is, you know, out of his mind. I mean, we all knew he was super talented, and um, you know, these are th- these glimpses that you get are what we were what we were hoping for. And I think that I think the issue that comes in to this whole thing with Luis Robert is that. We get a player that is amazing for two weeks. And then for two weeks, we get a player that, you know, is hitting 185. And then for another week and a half, you know, he's hitting 400, you know, with a couple of home runs. And I, and I think usually that, when the hitting tanks, the, the the fielding seems to tank right along with it. He, you know, to read on on balls in the outfield, or you know, hitting the cutoff man, or you know, just silly mistakes that start to pop up. It seems like a lack of focus, in my opinion. But please continue. I don't know where you were going there. No, I mean it's just you know, uh, the that's the thing about Luis Robert. You know, is that the guy is ridiculously talented. Yeah, he's a freak of nature when he's yeah. got his head right. A force of nature as well, you know. Um, the guy can do everything on a baseball field, um, except for probably throw eight different pitches like Shohei. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, the guy can pretty much do everything out there, and um, he's—I mean—he's fantastic. But you know, the thing that we're still waiting for is the consistency. And I don't I mean don't get me wrong, I do not expect him to do what he's done over the last week throughout the entire year. I mean there's just there's just no way. No, that's unsustainable. Yeah, I mean the guy's not going to hit 445, you know, or whatever it was. He's not going to hit that for the year, you know. Um so but I guess you know like if he has enough of those hot cold streaks throughout the entire year, he could you know, foreseeably still hit 315 and, you know, have like a 950 OPS. 35 dingers or more. Yeah, but if it's streaky, that that's where the, you know, the issue kind of comes in that um, you just, you know, when you need those big hits, when he's in one of those slumps, you better look somewhere else. You know, because yeah. if there's out four outside sliders in a row thrown to him, he'll swing at every single one. He might get lucky and get, you know, uh, one of them with the cup of the bat. 
you know, but he'll swing at every single one if it's anywhere near the strike zone when he's in one of those uh, when he's in one of those funks. So I don't know. I'm hoping that uh, he can manage to uh, sort that out. Um, I get you know like one thing that I did definitely want to talk about here. You know when we bring up the 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 lineup for the White Sox here and just how awful the numbers are on these things. Um, you know, when you see, uh, you know, Jake Berger on there and Grandal on there and, and Grandal hasn't even been bad, but you know, it's just once you get past like the first couple guys in the, well, I guess not even really. Cause you got Tim Anderson in there. Who's, who's also really struggling to hit. It's just that, you know, I, I f- am just absolutely blown away that this entire lineup has just managed to forget how to hit a baseball, even to, even to, uh, you know, like a, a journeyman utility guy level, you know, but then you see things like what happened last week, uh, where, you know, Pedro Grafal says, Oh, Tim wants to be a part of this. And so they insert Tim at second base. And <laughs> put Andrus at shortstop. And the the Sox lose three to one because of an error at second base. Uh Tim Anderson not catching a pickoff throw. And then Elvis Andrus just uh on a routine ground ball boots it. And next next uh next batter hits a two run home run. You know, I mean it's just <clears throat> and I, yeah, you, these guys are hitting 200, and clearly Tim Anderson's not healthy. There's still something wrong with his leg, probably. It's probably why he can't like drive the baseball, is because there's something wrong with his leg, and he's got a bum shoulder. Yet you insist on keeping him here and not on the IL for unknown reasons like I, can we not just put somebody on the il if they're hurt like why do we need to string this on for weeks on end when these people cannot play in baseball games and when they do they do nothing constructive i just don't I, i'm so fed up with this nonsense i'm sorry yeah. to start yelling at you but i'm no. just i'm so aggravated with this stuff we've been watching this for two years now of this crap where Guy can't walk. So what? Put him in the lineup. Guy can't swing a bat with two hands. Screw it. Let him hit with one hand for a week and a half. Like, what are we doing here? Let the hate fall through you. Like, 60% of Luis Robert is, is not going to be better than somebody with two functioning hands. No. <laughs> No, all the while you bring up Popeye Rodriguez to ride the pine and start the clock on a guy who's in double A. Well, for apparently no reason. He comes out to pinch run. He pinch ran once. and he played one inning at second base. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, like, 
I saw people, you know, explaining it, you know, uh, mansplaining it to everybody, you know, that he's he, he's just there because he's the only infielder on the forty man that doesn't uh, that doesn't mean that we have to move around any roster space. You are still starting Elvis Andrus, who can't hit. Right. Why? Like, what is the point? <laughs> Why do you insist on starting the worst people when there's something that's potentially better? He's one of your top prospects. Okay? Yeah. Yes, he's coming up from double A. But you know what? Him going over for 3 or Elvis Andrus going over for 3, I don't care which one does it. I would rather that Jose Rodriguez does it because... I don't care about Elvis Andrus. He's not going to be here next year. And if he is, I'll beat my head against the wall next year. You know, but I mean, there's Elvis Andrus is a utility player. If he's still in the game at all next year, there is no reason to prioritize getting this jackass at bats. There is no reason. None. Veteran leadership. Who cares? You know, getting, you know, all the, you know, quote unquote mentors that were very important to the success of the White Sox. You know, that's what they talked about last year. Oh, Elvis Andrus came here and he told that he told everybody in the dugout what's what. And that's why they're that's why they're better now. No, they were better because he came here and he hit like 400. You know, which, of course. When he's hitting 200, you don't see anybody saying that now. Now the veteran leadership, you know, is, uh, you know, not as important. And, uh, you know, not to uh, not to be a jerk face, but we told you so. Yeah. We told you it was going to happen. <laughs> you heard it here. Hey, we look told at you that. it was going to happen. Made a baseball good. play. You like that. Mm. Elvis made a baseball play as I'm sitting here yelling about him. Yeah, well, I mean that's the one thing that he's generally okay at. But the problem is, is that because he's old, he's lost a step, and because he's not an actual second baseman, you know, like yes, that was a nice play right there to get that out. But you know, he'll, you know, he won't make those plays all the time that a, a an actual second baseman will do, or somebody that's fast, uh, you know, like Jose Rodriguez. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. He made a play there, but uh, I think he made it look a little more difficult than it needed to be. To be completely honest, but entirely possible. You know, to be fair, he did make the play. He did. So, yeah. But anywho, I, I you know I uh, I'm glad to stuff off your chest. Yeah, you have uh, you have you've been you've been holding back. I know you have. You've been doing it for the sake of trying your best to remain amicable. You know, uh, to remain as positive as possible. But, you know, there comes a time when uh, you got to start calling things for what they are. And, you know, you are not alone in your feelings of why are we not making some sort of change to the way the lineup is constructed on a regular basis. Now, I get that there have been some injuries. 
I get that there have been some question marks pretty much up and down, but you have the pieces there to at least take a chance at something. You're not winning the division. So why not shake it up? What harm is there in shaking it up? And if you lose more games, well, then you're in that tankathon. Maybe your odds change and and move up to that 16% or 16 whatever point whatever percent it is to uh you know find yourself in the hunt for that first pick in the in the draft next season. You know, not that uh you know they're guaranteed to do anything with it. But uh, the drafting seems to have been better the last couple of seasons. Now, if it continues that way, you know, remains to be seen. But if anything positive is going to come from this season, it may as well be that. I I mean, or maybe finding a guy within your system who actually has some potential. Imagine. Over a guy who's 35 years old and ah, he blows. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, and I'm just uh I'm I'm just going to go ahead and agree with you cuz uh yeah, I'm just uh, like like I I at this point like I'm just you know, I yes, they could possibly win the, the division, but you know, we sure. we talked about this. I mean, does it does it even matter? I mean, you know, like yeah, okay, so you get uh you know, okay, cool, so you get uh a couple extra games at the end of the year and it's entirely pot you know, like it's it has happened, you know, in recent memory where somebody has been, you know, just eked into the playoffs and then ended up winning the entire thing. But I mean, let's be honest here. I have zero faith in them doing that and if they do it you know like we know exactly what it's going to look like it's going to look like you know giolito cease lynn clevenger and kopech pitching really well and the offense doing the bare minimum like they have been for the last two stinking years you know like how how many times are we going to run back this same idea and you know you know, these the the problem is is that they keep on prioritizing keeping these guys in there instead of seeing what they've got. You know, and I'm not saying you know obviously like I'm not saying that you know Zach Remillard is going to be the end all you know be all end all of you know what you're doing, but the guy right now has a better OPS. I'm almost positive. Hold on. Yeah, he's got a, he's got ninety points on OPS on Elvis Andrus. I mean, granted, small sample size, but you know, like I've been watching this guy do this through his entire run through the minor leagues for the White Sox, and he comes up here, literally doing what he's been doing for every team that he's played for since Coastal Carolina and. The Intimidators and the Dash and the Barons and then the Knights and now the White Sox. He's doing the exact same thing. He does all the little things right, plays solid defense, and he makes contact and does what he needs to do. 
I mean, that's what this guy's always done. You know, he's exactly like Danny Mendick. But instead of Danny Mendick, you know, they gave a three-year contract to Leori, and then they let Mendick walk. And then they bring in, you know... Um, Andrews. Yeah, Andrews bring him back and then sign Hanser Alberto. You know? Yeah. While Zach Remillard just gets older and older in the minor league system. And Danny Mendick, you know, goes somewhere else. Mm-hmm. For guys for who are dollars. aging and, and not aging well. Why? Well, it, it seems like the same old song and dance with this White Sox team. Let's bring in a guy who's well past his prime, but he's a name, made a name for himself five, six years ago. And, uh, you know, we're going to give him every opportunity. Continually give him every opportunity after he has fallen flat on his face. You know, I mean, and you know, let's be honest. It's not like Elvis Andres is even, you know, the Jose Canseco or, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. signing. You know what I mean? Those guys were actually ball players at one point in their career. Elvis Andres had a couple of decent seasons. Yep, in 2017. Yeah, he was no superstar by any means, but he had some decent years. Yeah, his his, uh, uh, two big years were uh, 17, and and, uh, they were 16 and 17. So, I mean, you're talking five years ago that he had good seasons and he broke his elbow and he hasn't been good since in the last four years. So, you know, obviously that seems like a guy that you would prioritize into getting into your lineup. You know, I mean, granted, yeah. A guy who's been tearing it up, you know, year over year, league over league, every step of the way. And is in the prime of his career, you know, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I know he's 29, and it took him that long to get to the White Sox. But, I, you know, like that's one thing that I see White Sox fans saying, you know, well, you're starting a 29-year-old over, over Rodriguez. And I'm sitting here thinking, have you watched this White Sox franchise? The only reason he's 29 and this is the first time he's seeing Major League action is because the White Sox don't bring him up. Because they signed yeah, Larry Garcia to a three-year, $16 million, $16.5 million contract. You know, I mean, like, you've seen the incompetence from the oh, front boy. office with this nonsense. Yep. You know? I could do it. I thought off the bat, yeah, Luis no. Robert went yard, but... Uh, yeah, it did not, unfortunately. Um, did not have the angle. I, I think maybe if he had got that one up a little bit, it might have went, but uh, it was too much on the line. Yep. I mean, you saw Tony LaRusa and the way he treated rookies, you know, and how he wasn't going to play them. So that's why Remillard wasn't brought up before, you know, over the last, you know, two seasons. So the fact that Remillard is 29 when that whole nonsense with TLR coming here started, the guy was 26 at the time. Turning 27. You know? So, 
You know, is it is it Remillard? I mean, if you go and look at Remillard's numbers, I'm almost positive that every season he's hit like 290 and above. You know, with uh, you know double digit home runs every year, minimum. You know, like uh, yep. at least like uh, you know, in the in the low teens. I mean, the guy doesn't does nothing but play decent baseball, and. You know, they insisted on giving Larry Garcia a uh, three-year contract based on a playoff home run. Yeah, one home run. Yep. Never mind the the, the ball that he broke in on and let go over his head, but he, he hit a dinger in the playoffs. Oh, man, that play in right field. Wowzers. Mm-hmm. So terrible. Absolutely um, awful. Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, I, I'm just like this, the the whole lineup, I'm just... So angry <laughs> right now, just as a fan. And you know, like the thing is, you know, like we do this thing every week, you know. And the last thing that I want to do is be be here and just like completely, com- you know, complaining about this stuff week in and week out. But I mean, you know, nothing changes. You know, if something changed, at least it would be like okay, you know, at least they're they're making a, a change and. uh trying to do something constructive but i mean it's like you know i mean i guess they did change it and had jake Berger there for a while but he should have been there from the get you know just when, when you write your mistakes that doesn't mean that i should give you credit for writing your mistakes you shouldn't have made the mistakes in the first place right you know oh man Oh, do you feel better? No, I absolutely do not. I mean, you know, I can sit here and, uh, you know, I can sit here and go down the OPS for this team. You know, Andrew Benintendi is one of your best at 7-Eleven. And he's shown a little spark since being moved into the, uh, the leadoff spot here as of late, but. I mean, he hasn't been like awesome. Yeah, no. He's been he's had he's a good run here for a few games. Yeah, I mean, I you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I, I look at Tim Anderson with his five fifty OPS, you know, and it's just that's your that's your number two hitter, right? You know, like. Uh, uh, ben Intendi's been, you know, yeah, I agree. You know, when once he's been put in the in the leadoff role, he's been pretty decent for a leadoff man. That's that's fine. Which I don't need him to have a huge OPS. You know, I'm, I'm more worried about the OBP and the batting average. Right. You know, right. about him getting on base and doing that right. stuff, and then not doing stupid things when he's on the bases and not doing stupid things in the field. That's what I need from him. You know, and like. You know, I, I mean, mean, I would like more from him. You know, yeah, of course, with the highest contract in White Sox history. Yeah. No, I mean, but again, you know, like like we've said before, is that his fault? No, no, not at all. It's a White Sox fault for you know that being the biggest contract. And I mean, when you look Good at for it, him. yeah, I mean, but when you look at it in AV, he's only making fifteen million dollars a year, so it's not like he's even making that much money. It just happens to be a you know, compounded years 
that adds up to the most they've ever given somebody. Right. You know? I mean, it's still not, it's still not nine figures. No, it is not. (laughs) You know, like still have not given out a nine. And you know, like fine. Like I get it, you know, that, you know, just because you pay somebody nine figures doesn't mean it's a good contract, but I mean, it's 2023. Yeah. And they're like, what, one of three teams that hasn't given somebody a nine figure contract. Michael Kopech just gave up a triple with one out. Yeah, had a good old Rengifo. Yeah. Luis Rengifo. Uh, by the way, he's at uh, 71 pitches currently in the bottom of the fourth. So it's going to be a short outing for Michael today, as if we did not know that the way the first inning started. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, hey, if he, if he can get out of this, only giving up one run through f- five innings a pitch, you know, say he makes it through the through the fifth. Five innings, one run. I mean, you take that. You know, I mean, ideally. Like said, uh, one run feels almost insurmountable at this point. Yeah, but that's not his fault. No, it is not. It's his team's fault for running out this garbage lineup. You know? Yeah, but, you know, if he only makes it four or five innings, then uh, you've got to burn the bullpen. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and in a one-run ball game, you're trying to win. So we're probably going to see the likes of, uh, you know, Gregory Santos, and we're probably going to see Keenan Middleton. And, you know, you're going to you're gonna see your best bullpen arms get traced out there in a one-run game. And if the Sox can't score to take a lead, you just burnt your best bullpen arms trying to get a win. And now what happens if you get a starter that goes, like, you know, say last night, it goes deep into the game, and uh, you know it's a tie ball game, and now you got to go back to those arms that aren't quite as great because you burned up the best arms in your bullpen. Yeah, I think you know. It's, I, uh, I would it's just say a broken record of White Sox baseball. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, obviously, you 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 would prefer a quality start out of Kopech, you know, and you would prefer Absolutely. that he do six innings. With three runs or less, you would prefer that uh, to the five. I don't know if you'd prefer it to five and one, but at this point, like, if he can't get out of this inning here shortly, he'll be lucky to get four point one, four point two. You know, <laughs> so you know, but like, you know, obviously you'd like to get a quality start out of him, but uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised what. Uh, we saw uh, Tukey, possibly. I haven't uh, haven't seen Tukey in a few days, so um, you know might throw him out there. But I mean, you know, this is high, technically high leverage because they're you know only losing one to nothing at this point, assuming that he can get out of this inning, not yeah, giving up any runs. Well, I mean, you know, he had a little hiccup his second outing, but his first outing was fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Four, in, four, you know, four shutout innings. I think he don't even, yeah, he didn't even get up, give up a hit. So, I mean, you take that a hundred percent, absolutely. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the the issue being that this team can't hit itself out of a, you know, 
wet paper bag. And it always, you know, speaking of the bag, the offense always leaves the pitching holding the bag. And they're the ones who end up losing the game in the long run because these idiots can't score more than one run. You know? It's like, you know, how many times this year are we going to have to watch just a great pitching performance just go completely down the tubes because this team can't score more than one or two runs? You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, just a revolving door of bad. Just a revolving door of bad. Eesh. Yeah, another walk issued by Kopech. Uh I'm going to say he doesn't make it beyond the fourth, to be completely honest with you. Man. He's sitting at 80 pitches with one out. He needs he needs a, a, a one or two pitch double play at bat here to even think about getting the fifth inning. Yeah. That is rough. So, yeah. Anyway, what do you say? uh, You got anything you want to talk about in the minor league system tonight? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So the only, maybe a little bit of the cannonballers. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, you know, today uh, Jacob Burke and uh, Tim Elko made their Winston Salem Dash. Uh, Thank you for debuts. reminding me. I did see that. Yeah, um, the Dash lost five to two. Um, Jonathan Cannon gave up all five runs. Uh, he looked good in the first inning. Struck out uh, Jackson Holiday on four pitches. Um, I think that he only got two at-bats against Cannon, and uh, in his second at-bat, he hit a double and scored a run. But he might have had... Speaking of Jonathan Cannon, he's the uh, the, the Sox lone uh, player being uh, added to the Futures game coming up here for, uh, you know, the All-Star break. So, you know, kudos to him. Yep. Uh, let me see here. I didn't get to because I I had to run out with the uh, run out with the boy. So yeah, Jonathan Cannon walked Jackson Holiday. So so he had a a four pitch strikeout, um, a four pitch walk, and uh, I think the other at bat. I think it was uh, yeah eight pitches. He he had a double. So he, you know, it was an eight pitch at bat, and he ended up hitting a double. You know, like I'm not going to fault Jonathan Cannon for that. Um, you know, the unfortunate bit being that uh, he scored on a on a single later. But um, uh, Jacob Burke in his first at bat got a single up the middle, and uh, Tim Elko, I think he had a walk only. Yeah, he had a walk. Um, his first at bat, he, he had a, a 10 pitch at bat and it was a, a really nice at bat to stay alive on a bunch of breaking balls, but he did eventually end up striking out. He had two strikeouts in the game. So, um, but yeah, the, uh, Winston Salem dash were the only, uh, affiliate to play today. Um, I, th- not a hundred percent. I think it's so that way on July 3rd, that they have um, most of their teams playing. And then on the fourth, they have all the teams playing. 
So everybody else took the day off today, and the Dash take um, July 3rd, next Monday off, I think. So, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, uh, yeah. Not a hundred percent sure why they decided to do it the way that they did it, staggering it like that. Uh, especially considering that this is the uh, first game of the second half of the season. So I find it kind of weird that the other teams kind of held off on that with it Fourth uh, of July coming up next week. It's kind of weird. Manager challenge. Oh boy, call overturned. Hey. Elvis Andrews made a heck of a play on that one. You know, we dog him. Yeah, well. He makes a couple plays. Well, that's cool. I mean, you know, like that's, you know, I'm not, of course, I'm not going to be mad at him about it. You Although, know, you know, your boy, uh, or what'd you call him, Rengifo? Ah, uh, yes. Rengifo, Ren- Ren- I don't know, whatever you said. Yes, good old Luis yeah, Rengifo. Yeah, he, uh, of course, scored. It is now a two to nothing ball game. Sure is. Michael Kopech is sitting on 86 pinches currently in the bottom of the fourth with two outs and a man on second. So, hey, uh, I'm 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 really going to go out on a limb here and say he's not coming out for the fifth inning. We're already seeing the bullpen active as they just showed, and uh, I'm going to guess uh, his night will be done at the end of the uh, at the end of the inning here. 87 pitches in the fourth. Yeah. Yeah, so my guess is that Tukey walks are killer, man. Tukey's going to be the one to come out because they're going to need innings out of him. You know, they're going to need innings out of somebody. So send out the Tukey. At this point, you know, like what do you got to lose? I mean, two runs. This team can't score two runs. Um, hey, <laughs> uh, Elvis Andrus has got one at bat. Did he get a hit? No. <laughs> He did not. That is correct. He did not. Because the White Sox have one hit going into the yeah, fifth one inning. Hit, you're four. Assuming that we can make it to the fifth inning before they uh, before they slaughter rule us. I mean, I know it's only two nothing, but you know why not? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And again, you know, we've got guys. Popeye Rodriguez comes up. Tim Anderson is apparently healthy enough to play shortstop now. So Popeye Rodriguez goes back down and they bring back a uh, White Sox daily favorite to, uh, you know, take over the fourth outfield spot. Even though uh, Tim has shown nothing to say that he is uh, healthy enough to do anything. Well, uh, Tim Anderson has two at bats. Did he get a hit? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be the new. That's gonna be the new. The new bit on here. I'm gonna make a new segment. It's gonna have music and it's gonna have a graphic and it's just gonna say, "Did he get a hit?" Like a game show. Uh, no. Yeah, no, he did not. <laughs> hmm. More often than not. And I know that that's the law of averages, you know, with the way baseball goes, because three out of ten are going to be no's most of the time. Did he get a hit, uh, even with a great player? But um, on the White Sox, 
version yeah, of that closer, game. As a as a as a team, it's closer to what eight. Two out of ten will be yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is true. Um, just to run down these numbers here. Uh, so you got Andrew Benintendi who's hitting two eighty. Yeah, buddy. Way to go. I'll take that with your seven eleven OPS. I'll take two eighty. That's fine. Um the strikeout, no walks into at bats, that I don't particularly care for, obviously, but uh yeah, I'll take those numbers. Then you got number two, Tim Anderson, two thirty-four with a five forty seven OPS. A five forty seven OPS. In your two hole. That and in your two hole. The other guy, your other middle infield combo guy who's batting ninth, a 202 average with a 540 OPS. Now, I know that Tim says he wants to be a part of this. What exactly it is that he wants to be a part of, I'm not sure. Um, uh, it's not like they were winning and he wanted to, he wanted to make sure that he didn't feel left out. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any idea. Um, but you have two guys that you prioritize getting in the lineup every day who have OPSs in the five forties. That's insane. Yeah, just trying to force the issue. I mean, like, that is... uh, Like, those two guys alone with those kind of OPSs in your lineup, I mean, have to... Like, I I don't know what uh, what the exact percentage would be, but when you've got two of those guys in your lineup that have a 540 OPS and neither one of them takes walks particularly well. Um, I mean, granted, Tim's got more walks than he's had, you know, in a while, which is, okay, great, good for you. Um, but when you have two of those guys in your lineup, it's got to decrease your, you know, percentages of scoring a run by, like, 25%. You know, like with one of them in the lineup, you could hope to get around it, you know, and you would eat that. I mean, we've seen teams do that with their with their back, you know, with their catchers for ages when they've got a yeah, defensive first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've seen that before. But when you're number two hitter and you're number nine hitter. Yeah. How do you even put him at two at this particular point? No idea. He can't hit his. He can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag. Now, the way Andrew Benintendi's been getting on base in the one hole, you know, leading off and 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 doing, I won't say everything a leadoff hitter is supposed to do, but doing some of the things that a leadoff man is supposed to do. How do you expect to bring him around? No idea. When you can't get him to even move over a base because Tim Anderson's not, I mean, yeah, he's walking. He's walking more than he has, but it's not like he's walking an immense amount either. And he's hacking away at some stuff, and he's hitting into double plays. And you know, I, 
I mean, you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, I mean, you pretty it, much you, have it's, to. It's designed to fail. Yeah, 100%. and I was hoping for more from Pedro. Honestly, I mean, I don't know, you know that it's I, his that it's his uh, that it's his doing. You know. Oh well, if it if it's not his doing, I'd be honestly. If it was me, you know, you you pay me to be a manager. Yeah, well, and that's what Art House said. Moneyball. I'm not well. Yeah, how'd that okay. work out for him? <laughs> yeah, Art Howe took a walk. Yeah, and that's he traded fine. his traded his first baseman. Come on, man. I would. Uh, I, I still. I you know. I don't know why we're treating these older veteran players with kid gloves. There's zero accountability. Zero. You know, I, I wish somebody would come out publicly say, you know what, these guys stink and they're gonna sit, and I'm gonna play the rookies. Because you know what. I have nothing to lose mm-hmm. because if the rookie doesn't produce, guess what? This guy isn't producing either. And if this guy wants to earn a contract next year, maybe he should get his shit together. Pardon my French. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And like, the thing is, is that, you know, if Tim Anderson at least played really good defense, I could, I could somewhat say, okay, cool. No, he's been absolutely awful. But his defense has been awful as well. You know, at least Elvis Andrus, you know, for the most part, I know he did boot that one the other day that we talked about earlier. But, um, you know, like generally he plays at least acceptable He's defense and he doesn't yeah. throw the ball away all the time. You know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would have 100% rather seen a Remillard Jose Rodriguez infield than. Andrus and Tim Anderson and all the people that, uh, you know, are going to get mad at me for about the Tim Anderson thing. Well, guess what? Whatever. Well, give me a reason to not say things like that. Any one of those people that want to say, oh, you're stupid to want to trade Tim Anderson or Tim Anderson's still a badass. uh, Show me, show me where the, show me where. Wow. Yasmani getting doubled off on fly ball at first. This is typical White Sox baseball, folks. If you're here alive with us on the stream, you know, whether or not you're chatting with us on the stream, you're listening, you're you're watching this game. Yeah, well, chance if you're alive at all, if you're watching this debacle at all, because I wouldn't blame you if you took an evening to, uh, I don't know, throw a movie on and she's snuggle with the wife, maybe. I don't know. You know, I whatever. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at you for it. But uh yeah, I mean that's just White Sox baseball. Soft looper in the right field, and Yasmani was like, ah, it's perfect time to just take off. Good old and wheels we know wheels uh, himself. Yeah, he's not exactly fleet of foot, so you know he gets halfway, he's dead to rights. <sighs> Finally got somebody on base. And yeah, he, gets he pokes one off. up the middle, and it and 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 it looked like you know he's we get something going here, and then he gets doubled off. <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! I uh, you know whatever. Yep, that's that's pretty much oh, yeah. uh, how I'm starting to feel about uh, 2023 White Sox. Is uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's just I, I uh, if if the if the front office isn't going to do anything if 
the guys in the clubhouse aren't going to do anything. Then what, you know, like what, what reason do I really have to, you know, put in a huge amount of effort on, on this team? You know what I'm saying? They're not putting in a huge amount of effort. Like I, I the, the, the whole thing, like this team aggravates me enough as it is, you know, to, to have, to have hope at this point. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna go there at this point and get any kind of like misconce. You know, like there's there's no way I can look at this team and think that anything is going to happen this year at all. Right. Even if they pull out of the out, out you know out of the tailspin, even just a little bit, and you well, know, get to. I don't know, say even six games below 500, which would be cutting their games in half because they're 12 under right now. Even if they could get to six under, you know, like I have zero faith that it wouldn't be at 10 six days later. Right. You know? Right. You know, well, they say the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And yet here we are. This White Sox team does the same thing over and over again. And the results are the same. Lo and behold. And as a fan, I feel like the same thing. Maybe I'm insane for watching these clowns every day. You know, maybe it's time for me to make a change and start watching less. You know, I, I don't know. Like, why should, like you said, why should I invest so much time and, and uh, emotion into something that disappoints me so much? It just feels like a bad relationship. It feels like that that ex-girlfriend that uh, you know you poured everything into and she just stepped all over your heart. You know what I mean? And you, and you kept trying. Just kept trying. Well, you know what? I eventually got rid of her. And uh probably, you know, you, you feel like I'm I feel like I'm going to have to do the same thing with the 2023 White Sox. I'm just going to have to eventually let it go. And I held so much hope. I honestly did. Even after a slow start. We tried April. so hard. You know, April and May, you know, things started to turn around a little bit. You know, a couple series. It brought me back just a hair. But I still had that cautious optimism. It's never really been anything more than cautious. And, uh, you know, they just let me down over and over again. Well, I think maybe it's time to just, you know, not invest as much time. I definitely won't invest as much money. No. You know, I have three sets of tickets that were purchased before the season started that uh, I will probably use just because I have them and I'm not going to let them go to waste. I paid good money for them. But uh, I don't think I'll be buying any more. I just don't I just I don't feel right putting any money into a team that makes me feel the way the White Sox do this season. Yeah. I mean if you haven't already spent money on it, um unless they come out with like that uh park pass that they used to have. 
uh, back during the rebuild where they where you'd pay like forty bucks or whatever, and then you get like the entire month. You'd get to go to all the games during the month. Um, unless they do something like that, I wouldn't. You know, like why would you bother? You know, what's the point? I don't even know if I would do that, honestly. You know, I, I mean, feel like my time would be better spent doing other things. Yeah. Uh, Grim- you know, it is, you're right. It's fun to get out to the game. It is. But, yeah. You know, and when you've got zero this, expectations, you know, it's like during the rebuild, you know, like we didn't have like, uh, like really that crazy of expectations, you know, like hoping to see like, you know, a good performance here and there. And you could root for an individual performance because the yeah. entire outcome of the game was inconsequential at the time. So when no, I you would were hoping for one or two or three of the developing players exactly. to do something. Exactly. That's like that's what I would go for at this point because you know, like I look at at this yeah, I, I, here comes my guy, Toke Toke. Um yeah, so um I just yeah, I have zero faith. Uh Grimtall says watch the Dodgers or old NASCAR from the eighties on YouTube. I'm down with watching old NASCAR. If 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 I'm not watching the White Sox, I probably don't want to watch baseball at all. I don't I don't want to uh you know, and I know Grimtall is a is a big Dodgers fan. Uh so thanks for hanging out with us while we, we talk about well, this. I mean this he likes team. the White Sox too. Um No, I get it. But but uh, you know, I, I just <laughs> as salty as I am right now, yeah. I uh <laughs> I I just I'd rather not even be reminded about what this team could look like by watching a team that I don't know actually knows how to play baseball. So, yeah, and I mean, I appreciate the suggestion. I think I will stick with the NASCAR <laughs> suggestion there as opposed to watching the Dodgers. By the way, thanks for coming in as usual, keeping us honest yet again. Man, this guy, he's something else, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Even even when uh, even when the Sox are floundering and and listenership and viewership is down across the board for all White Sox podcasters and streamers. Yep. You know, Grim uh, Grim Talk keeps us keeps us honest around here. We do appreciate you, buddy. We really yep. do. That's a good friend you got there, Ian. Thank you. I like him. Yeah, uh, he says current NASCAR is like the two, 2023 White Sox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've been asked because people know anybody that, that's known me or paying attention to me at all in the last few years knows I, I'm a amateur racer myself. And, uh, you know, everybody always wants to know, what do you think in the, the NASCAR Road Series here in in Chicago, in downtown Chicago. Yeah, what yeah, do you the, think the, about the that? Grand Park 400 or whatever it is, Grand Park 200. Uh, you know, I gotta be honest with you, I'll watch it on TV, it's fine. You know, this giant event that they're you know making a spectacle out of it, a couple of really big concerts. I mean, awesome, you know, great if it's bringing in money for the city, fine, whatever. But for me, you know, everybody's, are you going? You going? You go down there, check it out. Uh, absolutely not. It's going to be a logistical nightmare. And just like the White Sox, this city doesn't exactly handle big events very well. So, yeah, I was going to uh, say, like, I went to the Taste of Chicago once. 
And after dealing with that nonsense, never again. I worked at at Lala several times. And working at those shows made me definitely not want to go to them. You know, like when it's when there's like an event like that downtown, I want to be absolutely nowhere near it if I can yeah, avoid it. No, 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 it's just it's going to be an absolute mess. So I will sit here uh, and enjoy my weekend at home. Uh, you know, light up the night sky with some fireworks when. Uh, you know, hopefully I'm feeling better by Saturday. We are, hey, Tony Turkey Trot <laughs> coming across your screen. Yeah, uh, I, hadn't, I haven't done that know, one in a little while, so I figured I'd bring nah, him back out. Let him get, I, let him know, get out there and stretch his fun. legs, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, having some folks over on Saturday night, as long as the, uh, you know, the old viral infection in the gut clears by then, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, really hoping not to have to cancel that one because I got uh, a lot of uh, fireworks and, you know, big investment in fireworks that uh like to put on a show for the people every year. But, yeah, I'll be doing that on uh, on Saturday evening. So, you know, other than that, uh, I think I'm just going to leave these White Sox alone, man, for a few days. I'm just going to get my mind off of it. I'll live through, uh, you know, White Sox Twitter, maybe. Kept my uh, my updates from old the Googles. Well, you got Xavier. Xavier. Xavier will certainly give you a recap and a preview of the game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll check in with White Sox Daily and, and Xavier, uh, you know, posting some stuff there for us on the page. Absolutely. NASCAR in a bad state. Their number one selling diecast car is a driver who retired in 2017. Who's who's that? Is that Jeff Gordon? Dale Earnhardt? No, 2017. Oh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., maybe? Jr., sorry. I was going to say, Sr. didn't make it that far. No, he did not. Yeah, no. It's not even a NASCAR series. It's his late model. Hmm. All right, then. Really, is late model diecast is what they're... Wow, okay. I have... Uh, so my uh, my race, the captain of my race team uh, has an entire collection of diecasts. I uh, have one, and it is the number 37 Little Caesars John Andretti car. Only reason for that <laughs> is... Yeah, the only reason for that is our uh, our twenty four hours of lemons car is modeled after that. Mm. Oh, okay, was, that makes uh, sense. In nineteen ninety, yeah, in nineteen ninety six, uh, Ford was getting rid of uh, the Thunderbird, uh, and I should say, I think it was the following year they were getting rid of the Thunderbird. But NASCAR was, you know, going to be needing a different platform to go off of. And we are driving a 1996 Lincoln Mark eight. So little known fact, uh, one of the teams, the crane Fuzz Haas team saw the, uh, uh, the Lincoln Mark eight platform being an MN 12 platform, just like the Thunderbird was. 
uh, as a you know a viable replacement. So they uh, they built a car, John Andretti being their driver, and he test laps in it and uh, turned some really really fast laps in it. And NASCAR approved it. Mm. And right before it was going to go into NASCAR, Ford nixed it, saying they didn't want their luxury brand attached to Hillbilly Racing. <sighs> so a little fun fact for you there. But that's, that's why nice. uh, that's why I have that. That's the only diecast I have. Mm. I have a. Uh, I think I have a, a sh- uh, like a matchbox size car. Uh, Bobby Labonte Interstate Batteries. Oh, I was a big fan of the Labonte Brothers. Yeah, and I did like uh, Bobby's green Interstate Batteries car. It was I don't know something about that. Yeah, it was a cool car. The color scheme was nice. Yeah, that's not one I was. I was a bigger working. fan of Terry Labonte. Yeah, and that was a Terry Terry Labonte. Was he like uh, Kellogg's or something? He was. Right? He Yellow? was the number five, number five Kellogg's car in many different colors over the years, including silver, because he was the Iron Man, I believe, in nineteen ninety six. I want to say ninety seven, mm. ninety five, or ninety five or ninety six. Actually, most consecutive uh, races started by a driver so uh one race he did the uh the all silver car mm. yeah i i didn't have like any like nascar stuff other than that bobby labani car because um i won that i used to you know like when i was working on uh working on cars way back in the day um i got uh tickets to the michigan 400 and they gave me that car as part of it, I hear. Uh, I hear that's a nice track. Yeah, it's. You know what? I I will say. You know, like uh, I can understand how people don't like watching NASCAR on TV. Um, like I get it. It's just a bunch of guys driving and turning left a lot. Um, you know, on oval tracks. Um, but going to see it live is. A hundred percent different. If you go down by the, by the straightaway down in front when the cars are driving by you and that doesn't like raise the heart rate up a little bit. Yeah. I I don't, you know, I don't know what can be done for you because it's, it's something like when that, when one of those things drives by you at like 185 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, I gotta say, I've never watched, I've been to a bunch of NASCAR races here, uh, at Chicagoland Speedway when they're yeah. still doing the races there. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, uh, know some folks that had a hand in, uh, parts of the, uh, stadium there and, uh, mostly the outside stuff, you know, Champions Park and all that. Uh, and a buddy of mine, uh, worked for the, those folks. So, uh. I was always privy to uh, infield passes. They were grandfathered in. They had their spot nice. on the infield for forever. Um, so you know, we uh, we'd pull an RV out there and uh, party for you know four or five days straight. And being on the infield and walking up to the edge of the fence, where you could almost spit on the cars as they drive by you, is is, is pretty fantastic. And uh, I've had the opportunity to actually get up on the back straight where there's uh, no seating. You know, they have some camping up there, but 
you know, get to know some folks that work actually for NASCAR and at uh, the racetrack or for the track. Got some uh, access. And I got to tell you, man, standing up there about five feet off the track, five feet off the wall. And those cars are coming by you in that straightaway, like you say, anywhere between 180 and 200 miles an hour. You can actually feel the marbles, which is what, you know, what they call the little bits of rubber coming yeah. off the tires, hitting you in the face and the smells and the sound. And the, you can feel the force of the wind as they go by that envelope that they're pushing out in front of them. Pretty exhilarating. It's it's intense. I, I will 100% give anybody that. Um and you know, like I and like I said, I understand people not wanting to watch it on TV, but uh, you know, seeing it in person and seeing these guys, you know, just cruising along at insane speeds. I mean, even if there's not a wreck, you know, it's it's super intense. You know, it really is. Um, I would, you know, I would, you know, if I had, uh, you know, if I got tickets to go to that I'd, I'd go check it out again it was fun to go but i will not go to the one in chicago that's for sure no no i'll go to any you know actual course actual you know sanctioned nascar stadium if you will you know any track that's out there but uh you know i'll even do the road courses that they do that are actual road courses you know like road america the when they did that was it last year the year year before mm-hmm. uh you know when they do you know watkins Glen or any of those you know uh i do those road courses because they're actual courses yeah that's interesting but when you i mean and it's a cool idea to have a street race like like they're doing but uh it's just something that i'd much rather watch on television <laughs> be completely honest with you, and I don't know if it would make it would change my mind if city other than Chicago or not, because I, I just feel like it would be probably a logistical nightmare about anywhere you would go. Hey, so. Elvis Andrus just took the White Sox first walk of the night versus uh, seven I mean, strikeouts. Maybe we should dump on him more often. I guess. I mean, he's. I mean, still terrible, but at least he got on base once. Um, just out of curiosity, uh, I know that you don't know this, so I'm just gonna, but I'm gonna ask you anyway. Okay. Uh, Gavin Sheets last seven games. How many hits in his last seven games do you think he has? Or in the last one. seven games for the White Sox? Yes, one. He's one for 11. At an 091 with a 231 OBP and a 091 slug. Yeah, gets a start at first base today, so Andrew Vaughn can DH. Yeah, Andrew Vaughn. Uh, you know, like the the home runs have showed up a little bit uh, lately for Andrew Vaughn, um, but what keeps on spiraling down is his uh, his batting average. Yeah, Not the getting batting on average base. And the OBP don't look great. Yeah. I mean the OPS is at 757 and that's at least uh respectable on a major league uh you know yeah, league wide non positional you know you know you're not you're not putting a position denominator on it yeah of course it looks all right but 
as a first baseman. Not great. Okay, so you, you expect so, your corner outfielders to have some, uh, you know, higher OPS numbers than that. Okay, so the White Sox have one out and two on. <laughs> Elvis Andrus walked, and Andrew Benintendi singles. So now who comes up? Tim Anderson. Oh. Um, Shohei, by the way, in the sixth inning is at 83 pitches now. Yep. 84. Pardon me. Uh, what is going on here with this broadcast here? That just in my house. It's probably just in my house. Kept on going black screen down me. Um, yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, you know, it's just funny. Tim Anderson is now down in the count 0 and 2. I almost expected him to be uber aggressive with two runners on. I was expecting I'm expecting a rollover double play is what I'm expecting. Oh, but uh luckily they still have a shot here. Ooh. Punch out. 0 for 3. 3Ks. Three straight pitches on that one. Although I will say that last one was probably Two inches inside, uh, but you know, you know how the saying goes. Anything close? Oh no! It looks like it might have just caught the edge. Yeah, but it, yeah, two strikes. You need to be protecting. Yep. yep. He just had the bat shouldered. At least, Luis Roberts up. So uh, here we go. You know, there's if he walks, then Aloy's up. But the problem again is that you've got a guy with a 545 OPS in the two-hole. Right. You know, like I said, when right. you've got Taking two away. when you've got two of those guys in your lineup, it has to decrease the odds of you scoring a run by like 25%. At least. You know, because you know that you're not going to string together multiple things you know and when they're at nine and two when they're the nine hole and the two hole hitter there's going to be times throughout the game where that nine spot wraps around to the top of the order and these guys are only one batter apart at this point the only thing separating them is andrew benintendi you know after the first time that they go through the order, it's it's very possible that that can happen more than once throughout the game. Off the end of the bat, Oof. Luis Robert puts wow. one into foul territory. Um, see, and the, the issue here also, um, you know, okay, so Elvis Andrus does take the walk, but the problem is, is that he's slowed down over the years, like we've talked about. And when Benintendi, you know, say he got a single somewhere else, not just dropped right to the left fielder or whatever, um, imagine that he put it, you know, it was still a single, but it was, you know, where the, the guy, there it is. Luis Robert strikes out. Yikes. Luis Robert. Has faced Otani three times. Has struck out twice. Um, you know, say say uh, Benintendi puts the ball at least, you know, 
where the guy has to jog to go get it. No matter what, Elvis Andrus still isn't going first to third because he's slowed down a little bit. Right. So, <laughs> you know, regardless of what happens there, you know, you still are going to need at least a base hit. You know, at least at least a base hit to score another run. Like, because if he goes first to third, he could possibly score on a wild pitch like, like Trout did the other night. But because he can't go first to third, it definitely has to be at least, you know, like a a slightly deep single in in a you know in order for him to be able to get in. Because he's going to have to go from second to home, so he's going to have to be able to, you know, make it one hundred and eighty one hundred and eighty feet. And yeah, it's just tough when everybody in the in the entire order has a. Uh, Garbage stat line. Not really a whole lot you can do. No. So disappointing. Uh, oh boy. Well, what do you say we uh, we put a bow on this thing? Yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I was ready a half an hour ago, but you know we just started talking. And Grimtall showed up, so I was like, hey. Yeah. Well, you know we can talk about some other NASCAR, things that are NASCAR gave me something. You know. To talk about that, I actually like talking. Exactly, about right now. you know, we we got you know at least something entertaining in there. You know, like we could sit here and talk about music. I'll talk for hours because I don't have to worry about uh, you know like uh, you know how many uh, runners are left in scoring position by at the gates. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> me, I, I just bring that up because me and Grimtall were talking about. Uh, d- yeah, Grim Grimtall says death metal hot take time. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things we've been talking about the last couple of days. He thinks that at the gates is better than carcass, and I don't know, man. I can... oh, say what now? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I can. Uh, I can't get behind that. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a carcass goes back to like my childhood days, you know, growing up on the metal, and uh, I mean one of the earliest metal bands I was introduced to, honestly. Yeah, I mean Grimtall was the first guy that I listened to Carcass with back uh, back in the day, and uh, he's a huge Carcass fan. That's why it's it's pretty funny that he that he brings this whole that he brought the whole thing up, but you know. Yeah, one of these times, like, you know, like, I've always um, always toyed with the idea of doing, like, some sort of a music podcast slash stream just because, obviously, it's what I do for work. So it would be, you know, I enjoy talking about it, but uh, just never gotten around to it. All right, well, let me ask you this. Let's, I won't try to string this along too much, but let's just get down to the, the meat and potatoes of this thing. Mm-hmm. What is your all-time favorite metal band? Oh man, that's tough. Um I you know, I'd have to say and like I'll I'll get, you know, I don't know, some people will be like, "Oh, that guy. What a sissy." But I'd have to say Opeth is my personal favorite because uh you get melody, good songwriting skills, progressive uh progressive feel and uh and also death metal. So, uh, and it's always generally done pretty tastefully, 
So uh, that's that's my favorite. Okay. Yeah. Grimtal says corner. Corner is his, his favorite. Yeah, solid. Uh, I may have to go with the uh, the South American connection and go with the Sepultura. Yeah, see, now, I can dig on the Sepultura until after Roots when Max left. Once Max left, I was done. Like, uh, Derek, the, the the new guy for Sepultura... Not really my not my cup of tea. But I, can, uh, I no, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that hundred percent. I mean, uh is that beneath the remains, uh Arise, Chaos A D, uh Arise yeah, was Roots. Uh, yeah, I mean there's hell of an album. So much there, there's there's a lot of good stuff. And you know, like I will say, you know, I will concede that, you know, like some of like the uh some of the lyrics are a little uh, basic, but live, they were really, really good. A lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. Creator's got to be another one that's up there for me. Oh, German death metal. Yeah, we had them at uh, the Pearl Room down in Mokina uh, ages ago. Um. I was lucky lucky enough to uh see quite a few quite a few good shows down there. Guitarist from Corner did an album with them, Black Sunrise. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Going completely off the rails. Anybody that's into baseball but not into death metal is like with, what? with who? With which one? I would assume that's uh Sepultura? Sepultura, I would assume. Or oh, Creator. creator. They, yeah, that would make more sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, the... Uh, Gotta be Creator. One of the th- oh, one of the bands... just showed up in my chat. What's that? I just showed up in my chat. I don't know if my chat is slow or what. Oh, gotcha. Um, creator. One, one band that... Ooh, uh, took his head off. That uh, Grimtall gave me... Um, way back when uh revocation and like for whatever reason like i just never listened to it and then uh one i don't think i even know who that is i don't know if i've ever heard it yeah just one of the the one of the songs just happened to pop up on like my shuffle on my uh on my you know i was driving in the car and i was like oh man what the heck is this it was really good. I was surprised. Never knew. Coroner was Celtic Frost's roadies. Hmm. Did not know that either. I did not know either. See, learn something new every day. Maybe yeah. we should do a, a metal pod. Yeah, uh-huh. probably. If you did one, I would listen. For sure. <laughs> I'd check it out. Yeah, you know, like I, I had thought about doing like uh, interviewing people that I know and doing like a podcast like that, but just never... I don't know. It's just like uh, I don't your know. Your buddy's rolling with the uh, the couch rest, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, Mike's I, great. I, I, yeah, I've been watching a lot of that, man. He's he's doing a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, I just uh, I went because he's out on tour with. Uh, he's playing bass for Ugly Kid Joe, 
And so I went. They're still around, huh? Yeah. Well, no, they're they're back around. They uh, they didn't tour um, for. They didn't play in the states for like twenty years. I think their last tour was in nineteen ninety two or nineteen ninety three here in the states. So this is their first tour in the states in like twenty years, or something like that. Okay. And um, so he's uh, he's playing bass for them. Um, so I got to I got to go and hang out with him when he uh, they they played the Arcata in uh, St. Charles. So I went down there and hung out with him, and uh, yeah, he did uh, one of the the recent podcasts one one of the recent recent Couch Riffs, uh podcasts that he did. Um, it is uh, with the guy, the like creative force of uh, the band Netherlands, and uh, that one was pretty interesting. Um, that guy. St- it's got interesting, interesting um, viewpoint on things. Um, and if you have not heard Netherlands, um, they're different. You know, there's not, I can't say that there's like really any other band that sounds like Netherlands. And uh, it's, it's kind of heavier, kind of almost industrial, but not really. Um, but yeah, I can't think of any, like if I was going to, describe it i'd kind of say it's like a like a dark version of like queens of the stone age kind of oh you know like a little bit more of like a like a gothier dirtier version of queens of the stone age i guess it's just it sounds different than everything else which is you know and the Another same thing. Song. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we didn't want to drag that out too long. Yeah, you go ahead and call. You call Dan and get him on the metal podcast. That would be kind of fun. That'd be interesting. I would tune in. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you'd get plenty. Yeah, uh, Dan Swano from um, Edge of Sanity. That would be pretty sweet. You know, I would. Uh, I would have to, you know, just talk about the nightingale and i'd skip over the other stuff he's in this band nightingale and they like just like a straight up rock band awesome band guy's got a great voice great producer as well um all right so uh yeah because we just completely gone off the deep edge um yeah whatever (laughs) thanks for coming and hanging out we appreciate that everybody that's uh in here um thanks for coming hanging out and chat and uh Hope that uh, we'll see if the uh, the White Sox can manage to pull something off here. Uh, Otani's at 102 pitches in the top of the seventh, and there's guys on first and second with one out. Um, Jake Berger's up, and uh, oh, pitching coach is Looks on like his way. Otani's getting the hook. Uh, is that uh, the no, pitching coach? That's so. a pitching coach, right? Yeah, it's, it's a pitching, pitching coach. coach. He's going to get a talking to. Yeah, keep everything down. Get the double play. He's going to get scolded. I don't think so. Yeah, Yasmani Grandal in first base. All you got to do is keep everything down. And remember, Jake Berger's a Jake Berger's got plus speed. <laughs> it's you know, conversation right now. yeah, ninety eighth percentile. No, Grimtall, the Sox oh, did not in... lose yet. Clint Fraser pinch running for Yaz. Hmm. 
I mean, I guess you might as well, because I wouldn't really be worried about Yasmani coming up again in the game. Because that would that would that would uh, make it that you're assuming that we're going to get fully through the lineup again. In now we got like the, the entire eighth and coaching ninth. staff and trainer coming out to the mound here. What's oh boy, Shohei's getting the hook. Yeah, that's. But I mean, was it really necessary to bring half the dugout with you? Yeah, I don't know. What was that all about? I don't know. It's kind of odd. I mean, because he's still out there and he was still going to pitch. So my guess is is that it's not anything serious because maybe a blister, possibly, or something along those lines. They just needed to talk him off. He was out there telling him, no, I'm staying here. Yeah. And they were like, ah, come on and get him. Come get him. Yeah, I suppose that's I possible. Know. Yeah, but anyway, I don't want to hold you on here while they're uh, while dealing with this nonsense. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, uh, WhiteSoxDaily.substack.com for uh, written material and this podcast. Uh, you can find this podcast slash stream on YouTube. Um, we also have a Facebook group as well. Um, please uh, subscribe and uh, leave a comment if you would and uh we will be on next week and hopefully there's uh some sort of a uh i don't know how you could hopefully there's something definitive going on at that point but we'll see i mean really at this point i'm just fine i'm hoping there's something worthy to uh even discuss well, I mean, there's always something to complain about, I guess. It's just, yeah, a, you know, just, just I feel like we're beating dead horses left and right here. Yeah. I mean, if they can manage to start hitting, maybe we can actually start having positive conversations. That would be wonderful. That would be fantastic. All right. Well, my name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller, you guys have a great night, and we will speak to you next week. Thanks. Thank you.